Welcome to the pregame pod. I'm Thomas here with friend of the pod, also guest, also slash co-host from the first episode, um, David Lochran. I don't think you can see it, but he's right here, right here next to me on the Zoom. Um, we just got breaking news. James Harden traded to the Nets in a whole huge moves. We have a plan for the episode. We're going to go over Wild Card Weekend and then give divisional picks for this next upcoming um, weekend, but we also want to talk a little bit about this before we get into it. How are you doing today? Doing great, Thomas. Thanks for having me back on. It's been way too long. Uh, <laughs> seems like an entirely different world ago. I was yeah, so it's, yeah. it's good to be back. Yep. So the Harden deal is Karis LeVert will go to the Rockets along with four first-round picks. Um, I believe also Rodian's Kuruks. From the Nets. Um, hold on, I'm getting the trade up here from Woj because that is the almighty NBA source. Uh, um, there it is. Uh, Dante Exum, Rodians, Kuruks, Karis Levert, and four first round picks to the Rockets. The Cavaliers get four first round picks and another for er, three second rounders, two firsts. Jared Allen and Torian Prince. And then Levert goes to the Pacers. Yeah, to the Pacers. And Oladipo comes back to the Rockets. Did you process that? No, not exactly. But what, what you process out of that is uh, superstars moving teams. And yeah. now you've got a situation in the Nets where um, they should be an immediate contender if they can keep it together. And you have a situation in Houston where – the Rockets have not been good this year. And, nope. uh, you know, does the addition of Oladipo um, solidify, at least bring some sense of stability to them? And can they, can they increase their performance there? But the, the real story of any trade that includes eight first-round draft picks, uh, you know, this, whether this is a good trade for, for the Rockets won't be told for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it'll be – I think the, like, last first-round pick that they can use is – 2027. 2027. So they have the Nets pick in 2027. So, so they're going to draft someone in 2027 who's currently 11 years old. Yeah. Who is, yeah, 11 years old. So, and then you also think Oladipo to the Rockets will hopefully help the Rockets on the defensive end because they've been bad. Um, but then Levert to the Pacers, you lose that defensive presence that you get with Oladipo because he was – He's coming off that quad injury. You only get him – you're only really getting the defensive side. You're not getting the full offensive side from Oladipo. So you lose that, but also Miles Turner obviously has been good. I don't think – I think the Nets were contenders. I think they still are, but I don't know how far they go with all these personalities in the locker room. Well, it's so much talent, and that's always the, always the case when um, you've got three superstars, right? And not just three superstars, but three of the best – players in the league Three uh, on any given night yeah. each one of them could be the best player uh in the league but um you know right now indiana is ahead of uh, brooklyn in the standings so yeah. uh, you know we'll see how it all shakes out and with the pandemic and teams playing with eight or nine players you just never know know how things are going to go um but certainly i think it, it it bumps brooklyn up because now they you know, if Kyrie's down for a couple of weeks or if Durant's down with an injury, you've still got two players who can absolutely dominate. Yeah. Um, 
And Kyrie won't be back for, in my mind, at least two weeks with having to clear the COVID protocols, having probably a suspension from Adam Silver. So, and Harden won't play for another week. So it'll be probably at least a week of just Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant is a very good basketball player, as he's established. So I think the Nets probably aren't in full form until mid-February, in my opinion. Yeah, and in the East, it's tough, right? Because if you end up towards the bottom and you end up having to go uh, on the road in a playoff series against the Celtics or against the Bucks, um, that's very different than starting out even in the middle of the pack where you're going to be at home against the Pacers or at home against the Hornets or, 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 you know, much lesser teams. The division between the top and the middle of the pack is, is pretty significant. Yeah, definitely. Um, for more on that, for my take mostly, go to the YouTube. It's just the pregame. Um, I believe I'll have a video out today, the same day that you're seeing it. But we're going to move into the NFL here. With We're going to go over wildcard weekend from basically in chrono- chronological order. The first game was the Bills and the Colts. Bills took this one 27-24, but it did go down to the final 30 seconds of Phillip Rivers not having enough arm strength. <laughs> What do you think of that one? Uh, I, I mean, it was a good game. Uh, they were, there were a lot of good games. And because this one was early on Saturday, uh, it's probably the, the least memorable of all, all of them. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the big thing coming out of it is that the Bills are for real, right? They won a playoff game uh, for the first time in uh, two and a half decades, is it? Um, yeah, 25 and, years. And I think that – I think that going forward, they're going to be, you know, for the rest of this year and looking, you know, forward for the foreseeable future, they've got a team that's built to win for a long time. And if, if Josh Allen can continue to have a completion rate, uh, you know, in the high 60s, low 70s and not turn the ball over, uh, they're going to be pretty tough for anyone to be. Yeah, in my opinion, um, what was I going to say? I don't know what I was going to say, but Allen went 26 for 35. He's throwing 26 for 35 in every playoff game. That's what I was going to say. The Packers and the Bills are the only real um, threat to the Chiefs here in this playoffs because they are so lethal. Um, Colts just – it's Phillip Rivers. He's never really won anything. He's been a really good quarterback, but he's never really won anything. And he kind of let go of that game late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he – you know, it's weird because I think looking back over Philip Rivers and Philip Rivers' entire career, I, w- I would label him a winner, uh, even though he hasn't got it done uh, in the playoffs pretty consistently. Um, so it, it's hard to know what's going on there. I think the Colts, uh, you know, kind of a, a milquetoast middle of the pack team this year, but I think yeah. that um, if they can get their quarterback situation straightened out going into the offseason, then uh, they'll be back next year. Yeah, do you think Jacoby Brissett, after that year learning under Philip Rivers, do you think he has a chance to maybe make a run at that quarterback spot? Or do you, do you think they go into maybe the draft looking for a quarterback, not even first round, but late rounds? Do you go into free agency? Where do you think um, their quarterback situation will come from? Uh, I think Jacoby Brissett should have a chance at it, but I don't yeah. think that he will. Uh, for whatever reason, I just he doesn't seem to be part of their long-term plans. They have a ton of cap space. Uh, they have to lock up T.Y. Hilton, I think. He's a free agent going into, into Yeah, and he'll get a two-year deal. I don't yeah, think anything short. longer because he's 33 years old at this point, I believe. Yeah, but I think if you were looking at a team that was going to make a, a blockbuster trade for, for one of the quarterbacks, either veteran quarterbacks who's 
looking to move Ryan Stafford. Uh, I think we'll probably talk about Wentz later. Um, yeah. Or or signing a, a free agent. I think they might be be in the mix for looking looking at that. They definitely have the room under the cap to do it. Definitely. Um, and they are, I think, that piece of the puzzle away from mm-hmm. from being, you know, at the top of the AFC. Yeah. Um, I think that's all we have for this first game. The second game of the day, probably the least memorable one. You mentioned that first one is the least memorable one. But the Rams won this one 30-20 over the Seahawks. The Seahawks just had a full collapse. Um, Rams playing with Jared Goff. They started John Wolford, um, and then he got knocked out by Jamal Adams with that helmet-to-helmet collision. He went to the hospital. They said it was precautionary, so we don't know what's going on there. Um, the Seahawks, the storyline of this game was the Seahawks just fell apart. Bad coaching and the offense didn't play well at all. No, they didn't. The Rams defense had a lot to do with that. Yeah. And uh, I think that the the Seahawks are a team that uh, early in the season, they looked unbeatable. Uh, yeah. Russell Wilson through the first five or six weeks was maybe the best quarterback ever. Uh, he was just playing out of his mind and that offense didn't show up and largely because the Rams you know they're a top rated defense and they're going to give you problems and um, they did enough offensively uh, to get it done yeah um, not a lot of teams go into a game and win with their quarterback throwing nine for 1950 yards and one touchdown and yeah, I mean, Cooper Cup only had four receptions. You kind of – the defense for Seattle played okay, but not well enough, obviously. And it was the offense that gave bad field position. Russ threw a pick six on that wide receiver screen when DK, after having that hissy fit um, on the sidelines, yelling at coaches, they were giving him the ball, and the Rams defense could predict that, you know. So, again, Russell Wilson, he's won what? I think I was listening to the big job last night. It was he's won one playoff game in the past four years and he's gone just oh and one in the wild card, like repeatedly. So you got it. Pete Carroll has been able to go most of his career without having a great offensive line, which you need in the NFL these days. And obviously they had the great defense from twenty ten to twenty fifteen, sixteen, but they don't have that anymore. They didn't replace Sherman when he left. They just let him walk. They didn't let, or they didn't replace Chancellor Thomas when he left. They're trying to do it with these third, fourth, third, fourth, fifth round guys. Sorry, um, and you need to spend those first round picks on defensive talent, and they just haven't. Yeah, when you don't have an elite defense, and then also they've just on the offensive side, as good as they've been in the regular season, have gotten away from what worked with them and what works in the playoffs, which is run the ball a lot and pick your spots to, to throw the ball. They have so much talent at the wide receiver position and with Russ that I think that uh, it's just too tantalizing not to, to drop back 30, 35 times a yeah. game and, and try to stretch the defense. Um, but in the playoffs against an elite defense and, and maybe the best defense in the league, um, you know, it, it wasn't enough and they weren't able to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you kind of got away from Carson running the ball. The first five weeks, he, he was getting 30 carries a game. Obviously, he got beat up towards the end of the season, so they weren't going to him as much. But you need to have that balance between the run game and the pass game, and they just didn't have that towards the end of the game, start of the game, um, in the wild card, and also the end of the season. Yeah, and also I can tell you I had DK Metcalf on one fantasy team and uh, Lockett on the other, and Lockett was terrible all year, uh, except for a few good games early. And Metcalf really that fifty piece he dropped one year or one game, and then 
DK really got all those receptions because he he's turned out to be Russ's favorite receiver. Just the frame that he has, he's what six six something like. Yeah, he's huge. Run uh, like the wind. Yeah, I mean he he tracked down Buda Baker in that one game in like week ten. That was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the next game uh, we want Brady in this one: Buccaneers versus Washington. Uh, Buccaneers took this one 31-23. The storyline was Taylor Heineke coming in. He was bagging groceries three weeks ago. Now he's getting a start against Tom Brady. What do you have on this one? Absolutely. It's not often you lose a game, and the losing quarterback is what everyone's talking Mm -hmm. about. The kid's poise was unbelievable. It was nuts. Uh, Making decisions to pull the ball down and run with it, making decisions on when to throw, um, not getting rattled even at the end of the game when they were trying to – to pull off the last-minute drive, um, you know, running the, the offense like, like a, a veteran. Uh, also, this defense, the Washington's defense, I expected them to put up more of a fight against uh, Tampa than they did, but it's Tom Brady and a ton of weapons. And that team, uh, the last few weeks of the season, and definitely um, on Saturday night, looked like they're ready to make a run. Yeah, and most of the game, Washington stops, came from Chris Godwin drops. He had six drops in one game which Brady gave it to him on the sidelines, you could tell. Um, how many times do you go to your four-string quarterback in a playoff game, a wild-card game, and you make him throw 44 times? And he does well. He threw 26 for 44 for 300 yards. It's just crazy. McLaurin yeah. – uh, one second. I thought I had his stats up, but I didn't. McLaurin had six for 75, so he's always a threat. I think Washington's built to win the NFC East next, uh, next year. Yeah, who's going to be their quarterback? Do you go to Heineke the way he played? I mean, <laughs> the Patriots had him on the practice squad. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah yep. it's crazy. I only knew that because because of uh, – or I learned that Saturday night. Yeah, yep. Same. <laughs> but I think Washington, it depends. If you go with Heineke, you probably have a chance. But also, what do the Eagles do with Carson Wentz? That's, that's called a segue. Yeah, so before we segue to that, I think that uh, – I mean, Alex Smith is another guy who's a winner. What was he, 5-1 and one this year? I don't know is the Washington's going to do better uh, than Alex Smith throughout his entire career. If you take out some of the early years with San Francisco, the guy has just consistently won everywhere he's been. Um, and he's not, like, super flashy. But when you look at that division and you're thinking about how am I going to make the playoffs, he probably gives you your best chance. But Heineke has definitely or, uh, earned the opportunity to play or to at least make the team, uh, and they're fortunate enough to, to be the ones that are probably going to be able to, to bring him back. But, I mean, yeah. it would be, you know, Kurt Warner is the only person I ever remember bagging groceries and then <laughs> stepping onto the field and, and putting a career together. Uh, so we'll see. But, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, if Alex Smith had been their quarterback all 16 games this year, they would have run away with that division. Yeah, and you, they kept trying to go to Haskins, and it was just – too bad that Smith got hurt and stuff like that. And Haskins just wasn't it. Waste of a 15th pick. I feel like we've talked about that a lot. Yeah. Um, we were just talking about Metcalf, and now we're talking about McLaurin. Who's the better receiver there? Both third, fourth-round guys in that same draft class. Yeah, I think Metcalf is. I think Metcalf is, is poised to be the best receiver in the league, just able to take over a game, uh, either with three receptions a game or 12 receptions yeah. a game. He, he can just do everything. Yep. But um, we'll see what McLaurin does if he ever has an a elite passer, right? Again, but yeah, exactly. Both depends. of them could have been Patriots. Yeah, and Akil Harry is a Patriot. <laughs> um, 
it, it'll be interesting to see what Washington does next year. McLaurin has the chance to leave in this next year's 2021. He has the chance to leave in 2022 because rookie deals are three years. So it'll be interesting. Depends on really what Washington does these next two years because you've got to keep McLaurin if you want to be competitive. Um, staying in the NFC East, though, who's the quarterback of the Eagles? I really want – I've wanted to talk to you about this for a you while. You want to talk about that? All right. Well, I was going back and forth on it, but Doug Peterson got fired today. So that makes me think it's Carson Wentz, right? Yeah. I think Which is... that's probably where they go. And I, I would be surprised if they trade Jalen Hurts. Uh, when you think about, the A, the teams that are looking for a quarterback, I'm not sure any of them are, are a great fit. Um, but more, I mean, what team knows the value of a backup quarterback more than the Eagles, right? They, they won a Super Bowl with one, and they've got, you know, Wentz is a world-class talent, and if he can stay on the field and in the right system, um, then I think, you know, he, he's the guy you want to have. It's not much of a gamble there to get him back on track. Yeah, and even I know Wentz doesn't want to back up, and that, that hurts you as the Eagles so much because if Hertz doesn't want to back up, or sorry, Wentz, and he's not playing well, then your only choice is to either trade him in. That contract is untradeable. So it'll be rough to see. I personally think they should go with Hertz, but I think it will be Wentz at the start of the 2021 season. Yeah, definitely. You say uh, the contract is untradeable and it's pretty bad. The, the two places it could possibly go would be Indianapolis. We yeah. talked about uh, a lot of cap room and Frank Wright there, who was the offensive coordinator yeah. uh, early in his career. So that's a logical fit. But also, uh, it may be cheaper for the 49ers to part ways with Garoppolo and bring in Wentz because Garoppolo's contract may be even worse, and he's on the field less than Wentz. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, there, I think those are two places that – two teams that could at least make it work. Um, yep. But I don't think either one will. I think Philadelphia will bring him back, and I think they should. Yeah, me too. Um, the Sunday games, Ravens beat the Titans 20-13. to Lamar Jackson finally gets the narrative off his back. He has won a playoff game. They're headed to Buffalo next week. What do you think of this wild card game? First, the narrative that Lamar Jackson has never won a playoff game is ridiculous. This is his third year in the league, and he's only been a starter for two and a half of those years. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know, Dan Marino never winning a Super Bowl. That's a narrative, right? Like, he played his entire career. Everyone was doing well. We're talking about two and a half years. Give the guy a chance. Um, hey, I just, used, I just used it because I've seen so many people use it. Everyone's I was thinking the same it. thing. Like, that's not a monkey on your back. Like, that's, yeah. that's one of the most ridiculous things I, I've heard over the past few weeks. So, I, I'm glad you brought it up. But, uh, yeah, that, I was disappointed. I liked the Titans. I, you know, um, I really was hoping they would pull it off. Uh, they never got the running game going, which is incredibly uh, unusual for them. Uh, the Ravens' defense looked much better. Uh, I know they're probably a top-10 defense, but they looked like an elite defense in that game. And it was the play calling, really, because they were blitzing Henry so much. And once you blitz, you basically have the chance to go sack the quarterback because if you're blitzing, you're sending at least seven. So you're going to try and get to the quarterback there, at least put some pressure on him. And Derrick Henry will be stopped if you're sending seven players at him. Yeah. And uh, the passing game for the Titans just never kicked in, right? I think Corey Davis was hurt in the second half, or at least he was on the sidelines in the fourth quarter. Um, and that just, you know, with, when you have uh, – uh, that allowed the Ravens to double up on yeah. 
uh, and take away the tight ends. And I think they just never got to go, which is too bad. I think that I liked them. I liked watching them this year. I thought they were a lot of fun uh, to watch, but when they ran into some of the better teams, they did not perform as well as they should. The Ravens on the other hand are, uh, you know, I can't stand to see them win, but you got to give, got to give them uh, the props. They aren't, uh, they are. They have reinvented offense in the National Football League, and they they run it as good as anyone. Yeah, Lamar was the first. Like obviously you had Vic, but Lamar was really the first guy to innovate that whole offense. Because even when Vic was playing, you were still having the guys that would drop back 30, 40 times, and they wouldn't run. They just take the sack. Now you have Lamar Jackson. Even like you have Kyler Murray, obviously, but you. You have guys like Carson Wentz and Joe Burrow who should be pocket passers the way they're built, but they can still scramble for 10, 20 yards at a time, and they don't take sacks. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a lot older than you, so uh, harking back to Michael Vick, um, he, was, he reminds me a lot of, of Lamar Jackson, but back when uh, Vick first came into the league, he didn't have the designed runs. The offense yeah. wasn't as much about designed runs. Um, really that offense started coming into vogue with Cam Newton uh, yeah. and Cam Newton uh, running uh, not from what we saw. Well, we saw a lot on the, on the rushing side this year, but the one thing that was missing from Newton this year that we had seen throughout his career and certainly in his, his days when he was dominant was uh, the ability to throw the deep ball and how much of that was, was Cam, how much of that was receivers, how much of it was not having an off season with, um, the Patriots to learn the offense. We need know. a whole That's, episode on that. We need whole a whole episode, episode on that, and maybe we that. should. Uh, anyway, L. Jacks changing the game. Uh, I wouldn't want to have to design a defense to stop him. Yeah, uh, and I also like their running game. I mean, you have J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and I believe they get Mark Ingram back from a concussion injury there. Um, well, yeah, you have – I mean, Mark Ingram's on your team, and he's not in your top three in rushing. Like, yeah, well, because you have – your ground game. Yeah, um, they're a really good running team. And everyone previewing this game, the Ravens versus Titans, everyone was looking at the Titans running game because Derrick Henry was there. He had 2,000 yards in the regular season. But honestly, the Baltimore run game might have been more effective than the Derrick Henry run game, in my opinion, because you had these three-headed monster or the three-headed monster of the running backs. And then you also had Lamar Jackson, who could just run the option and get you 40 yards at a time. So, yeah. yeah. You know what the amazing thing about Jackson is? He never takes a square hit, right? So I'm sure he'll get rocked this this week. And yeah. Like, uh, I'll feel terrible about it. But he runs, you know, somewhere between 5 and 15 times a game uh, on designed runs. And he's never getting whacked, you know. He just knows how to turn to avoid the hits, um, which is probably how he's – what he's going to have to do to, to continue to play at this level for a number of years. And it's supposed to – it's going to be a snow game in Buffalo, which we'll talk about soon, but I don't want to give it away. We'll, we'll move on here. We'll move on. Saints-Bears, this game was on Nickelodeon. I didn't watch most of it, but Saints won 21-9. Did you watch any of this one? I did. Um, the Saints looked like the Saints, and the Bears looked like the Bears, right? The Bears made <laughs> uh, it to the playoffs on the strength of uh, playing some pretty poor teams in the last four weeks, and they, they you know – did what they had to do and you don't get to choose your schedule and all of that. But when they had to play a, a top tier actual playoff team, they looked like exactly who they were. Yeah. Um, what got them there really in the last four weeks, as you mentioned, was David Montgomery. He, he was running the ball 25 times a game. He was up over a hundred yards. I believe three out of those four, he ran the ball 12 times. 
which is just unacceptable if you're Matt Nagy. Um, because he was your offense. Mitchell Trubisky isn't going to drop back and throw for 350 yards. He's just not going to. Allen Robinson was your really only wide receiver. You had Darnell Mooney, but he's a rookie. He's too inexperienced. And I just didn't like the tight end play. So, obviously, the Saints would win this one. I think that was an easy pick. I think that was probably the easiest pick of the weekend. Yeah. I mean, the Saints, I think they showed that they're good and can – on, on offense, they can throw the ball, they can uh, run the ball, they can throw deep, they can throw screens, they can, uh, you know, yank their starting quarterback or split them out wide and still have, a, a, you know, a threat to do, to throw deep, to throw short, to run, to hand off. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they, they did all the things and did, they, did them all well. Yep. Um, and then the last one, probably the best game of the weekend, Browns and Steelers. 48-37 Browns. But this game was crazy because the Browns come out 28-0 basically in the first quarter. It was the first quarter with the snap over the head. And I put up on the Instagram, if everyone should be following the Instagram. Um, I put it on the – what was it? It was a story. And I go, a nightmare in Pittsburgh. By the way, this happened in Super Bowl 40 – was it 48? 49. When the Broncos snapped it over. No, yeah, and the Broncos snapped it over the head, and then it was like 43-8, to eight, Seattle. Yeah. And that's basically what this game ended up being like, although it was much closer. Yeah, it was much closer because it's Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I still don't think people in Cleveland think they're going to win that game, even though it's been over for four days. Uh, but, yeah, what a wild one. Um, to, to spot – you just don't expect Roethlisberger to play that bad, right? Yeah, um, not at all. Especially in a playoff. to play that bad. Like, you, you know, the center shouldn't be – when you have an all-pro center, it shouldn't be a storyline. That's, uh, th- that's a third-grade play in yeah. there in the NFL. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, anytime Pittsburgh loses is a good week. So I'm happy to see that. Uh, the difference between Cleveland this year and last year is, you know, Baker Mayfield's not throwing interceptions, not throwing to a game. That helps a lot. Uh, if he can keep doing that, they're gonna they're gonna go a long way. But I think uh, good for the people of Cleveland. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like I said, they're probably uh, they up twenty eight nothing. They never thought they had had that game in the bag. Yep. Uh, and then you also have the best two headed monster uh, for running backs. You have Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Who? Yeah. They they uh what's it called? Uh, mesh with each other, I guess. And that's not the word I wanted to use, but. They compliment each other. I was going to say contemplate, but it's (laughs) compliment. They compliment each other so well because Hunt has that pass-catching ability, and Chubb is just that bruiser that you can put in on third and one. That's what the Steelers didn't have all season. Big Ben threw the ball 70 times this game, and that you can't win a game when you're throwing 70 times and when your quarterback throws four interceptions. Yeah. I mean, the only time you throw the ball 70 times when you're down 28 nothing in the first quarter, right? So, like, But all year it's been like that. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I like uh, Nick Chubb is probably the second best running back in the league, I would say. Uh, you know, I think you can make an argument maybe, but. Probably, uh, yeah. You know, 1,000 yards in, in 12 games and 12 touchdowns is, is decent, especially when Kareem Hunt ran for 800. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> Uh, I think he's – if you had to pick pick one person just on running alone, then, then I'd take Chubb, and to have Hunt there is just a luxury. Yeah, and, again, you you had Landry and Higgins 
and Peoples Jones, but you didn't have OBJ there, and you're still your pass attack was still really good. The Chiefs are gonna smoke them though, right? Well, I was gonna say they're gonna need uh, Chubb and Hunt to run for 1,800 yards in this yeah. game, <laughs> all the way from the Chiefs. Now, I guess we'll just move into our predictions if you want to do that. Um, Packers sure. and Rams for this first game. It is 4.30 on Fox on Saturday, January 16th. Who do you have in this game? A one versus six matchup here. So, I I think it. I'm going to pick the Packers because I think they're just playing lights out right now. Um, if Goff starts and doesn't turn the ball over, I think that's defense is good enough for the Rams to steal it. Uh, but the thing about the Packers is Aaron Rodgers is so good that you sort of overlook just how good he's been this year. Um, but they were a better running team than they were a passing team. I think they were eighth in the league in, in rushing and 10th in the league in passing. So um, they're just able to beat you so many ways on offense and they don't turn the ball over. Um, yeah. and the Rams turn the ball over. They're great on third down on defense. They're great against the run. They're great against the pass, but I'm just not sure uh, they have enough to stop the Packers and enough juice on offense to, to outscore them. Who do you think, say Wolford does, like he makes a full recovery and he can play this game. Do you think who's going to start and who do you think would do better against this Packers defense, Goff or Wolford? Well, Goff. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I think if – I don't care if Wolford's healthy or not. If Goff is healthy, he should start. Yeah. Uh, McVay's being coy right now about who, who's going to, to get the nod, but I, I would be shocked if, if Goff can go and he does. Yeah. Uh, the second game of the day, this one's an 8-15 game on NBC. Ravens and Bills, like we said, snow game. The Bills have run the ball way worse than the uh, Ravens have this season, and you're not going to throw as many times as you did against the Colts if you're the Bills while it's snowy and windy and cold. So who do you have in this game? So it should be a fun one, I think. Uh, it These two teams, for me, represent like the next decade of offense, right? You've yep. got – uh, I mean, Josh Allen is is twice has has made huge strides uh, year over year, um, and I think you know the Bills at home. I I can't stand the Ravens, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Bills. But you know the the Ravens are built to win this game, not just with the running, but they've got like 37 tight ends who can <laughs> catch the ball. Um, they're experienced, and the Bills, you know. They haven't been here the whole as a, as an organization in a long time, and Baltimore is used to winning. And I hope they don't, but I think it doesn't. Well. Yeah, I as much as I hate to see the Ravens win, I'm gonna take the Ravens here. The Ravens defense is better. Their pass attack isn't better because obviously Allen and Diggs. Their run attack is so much better, and I think it's going to be a defensive run game type of game. And I think the Ravens pull this one out. It'll be really close. The spread is. Buffalo by two and a half here. That's a spread, it, it right? It might be three nothing. That's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say just on Buffalo, uh, I don't want to discount him completely, right? Like yeah. Josh Allen's completion percentage this year is through the roof, uh, especially compared to where he was last year in his rookie year. Uh, and in this type of game, like being able to complete passes, even if it's not – even if you only throw for 150 yards, you know, if he's 13 for 18 for 150 yards, that's probably enough for them to win. Probably, uh, yeah. You know. Especially because Lamar's not going to go 13 for 18 for 150 yards without throwing at least one interception. And one interception in this type of game could be the difference maker. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Yep. But neither quarterback makes a ton of mistakes. I think they each threw like nine or 10 interceptions. Yeah. Um, both have, you know, uh, I think Allen's completes a higher percentage of his passes. Um, but it's not necessarily how many interceptions you throw. It's when you throw them. So we'll see, see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that is the battle of the 2018 quarterbacks because three 2018 quarterbacks actually, because Baker Mayfield, the first pick, Allen was the 10th pick and Lamar was the 31st pick, so we'll see what happens there. Who's going to move on? Um, Browns Chiefs, I think we already really covered it. Yeah, I don't think – well, I mean, the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions, and they are until someone beats them, and I've exactly. seen nothing. I mean, their defense is sort of middle of the pack, but it doesn't matter when you can score. And, and time of possession, you know, we were talking about – joking about the, the Cleveland's running attack and, like, keeping the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't matter because he doesn't need any time to score. So He needs 30 seconds maybe to go score a touchdown. Like, yeah. you could score 42 on the Chiefs because they don't have the best defense, but Mahomes will put up 43 or more. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. What was, wasn't their playoff game, their division game last year, they were down a couple touchdowns? Yeah, they were down 24 nothing against yeah. the Texans, and they came back and won, like, 42-24. <laughs> right, and I think they scored 14 or 17 points in like eight minutes or something like that. Yeah, there was like five or six minutes with um, in the second quarter because they were down 24 yeah. nothing in the first quarter. Yeah. Again, uh, here, Buccaneers and Saints. Buccaneers are 11-5, and five, Saints 12-4. and four. This game is at 640. It is on the History Channel. The History Channel. Well, it's funny. If you – as uh, – if the – Ravens and the Bills represent the next 20 years of NFL offense. I'm going to pick the Bucks. Um, I think for a couple reasons. One, uh, I'm a homer and Brady is still my guy. Uh, two, it's hard to beat a good team three times in the same season. And the Saints have taken the first two. Uh, and three, I just don't think Brady's going to go out and I think he threw – five interceptions against the Saints this year, five or six interceptions. He's not going to do that. And, and Drew Brees played his best game of the year against the Saints the second time out with, like, I think he had four touchdowns. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll see. And Brady, people have been clowning Brady all year for, they're like, oh, he doesn't throw deep anymore. He's dink and dunk Danny or whatever they're saying. He, he leads the league with 9.8 yards per completion. And Brees is, bottom of the league 32 with 6.7 uh yards i was i was surprised to see brady finish the year with his best qbr since 2017 and he threw 40 touchdown passes and 12 interceptions and five of those came in two games against the saints so uh i think i think i you know i still would like to have had him on the squad uh but wouldn't uh, anybody right i mean granted he would not have been throwing to the same cast of characters not Uh, at all but he put it up over 600 times this year, um, yeah. which is, even in this day and age, and his past happy offenses, is still, is still a ton of attempts. And to only have 12 interceptions and 600-plus attempts is, is pretty good. Um, but I, I actually think both offenses will be good. I think Tampa gets off to the quarterback a little bit better. New Orleans does have a tough pass defense, so maybe it comes down to whoever runs the ball better. Um, and you could even argue that um, Tampa Bay might do that better because obviously the Saints have Al- Alvin Kamara, but you have 
the Buccaneers are getting Ronald Jones back, and they just picked – not just, but they picked up Leonard Fournette earlier in the season. So you have a two-headed monster. I would still maybe say that the Saints have a better run game. Yeah, I'll take Kamara over over Fournette. But Fournette in the last quarter of the season and then in the wild card looked like what we've expected him to look like since he came into the league. The fourth um, overall pick, he kind of – he looked – he didn't look like the fourth overall pick, but he looked like a first-round pick. When, when he gets the ball, he's like running hard north to south and making plays and dragging people. And uh, that's not something we've seen consistently from him in the yeah. league. Yeah, yep. That will be so who, who are you picking there? Oh, for the Bucks Saints game? Yeah. I'm taking the Bucks. Taking the Bucks. All right. I love Brady, but I think I think the Buccaneers are just a better overall team. The Saints game should have been 45 nothing against the Bears, and it wasn't. The the Bears, even though it was twenty one three most of the game, it seemed a lot closer if you were watching it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um oh, before we finish up, is Watson getting traded and where will he go? Ah, great question. New England? I uh, hope so. <laughs> I, so, I don't think he will. Ultimately, I don't think – I think Houston has to try to figure out a way to make it work. I think, you know, he's a once-in-a-generation talent, um, and they've screwed that up over the past 12 months, and, and it's on the organization to, to yeah. make it right, you know. Uh, players do a lot of griping. Some of it's justified. Some of it's not. But in this case – he, I think he's got a pretty strong case for being upset with the Definitely. organization. Um, that being said, where does he go? Uh, you know, I think half the teams in the NFL would try to make a play for him, but I think the teams that could are probably New England, the Jets, Indianapolis, San Francisco. Miami. Um, you, I think uh, Miami. I've seen a bunch of mock trades. Tua Tagovailoa, the third pick in, like, two future – a first rounder and a second rounder. If you're the Texans, are you doing that? And if you're Miami, would you give up on Tua that quickly? I would. If I, I'd do that if I was Miami because you're hoping Tua turns into Watson. Deshaun Watson, yeah. Right? And so it's sort of a you're taking potential to what that potential could be. Um, if you're Houston, you only do that if your back's against the wall. Like, and if Watson's, like, demanded a trade. Well, I think he probably, even beyond that, if he's not going to play, right? Yeah. If he refuses to play. And I don't know what his contract situation is. Um, he still – did he just sign an extension or – he, he just signed an extension before this season or the season before. Yeah. So. Um, but there just aren't that many teams who are capable of making a trade like that. And trades in the NFL are so weird because they never seem like – never seems like it's fair going one way or the other. So Yeah. Um, I think he ends up and stays there, and I, I hope the organization does what they need to do to keep him. Casario hopefully coaxes him into coming back, but I couldn't tell you. Casario couldn't get Brady to come back, but that's mostly Belichick's fault. Um, I think yeah. that's pretty much it. That is the first episode in nine months with David Lockhart back on the yeah. podcast. Hopefully many more to come. And until the next episode, follow the Instagram. It's at the pregame pod. We do a bunch of stuff on the YouTube. It's the pregame. And, yeah, until the next episode, I believe that will be next week. Peace. Talk to you later. Thanks for having me. Always fun. Absolutely.